This is the BAM School Podcast, where we talk about business adventure and mission with your host, Buddy Rathmel. All right, welcome to the BAM School Podcast. I'm here with uh, my guest, Derek Jacobs. He is the son of my soccer coach from college, and um, we go back uh, close to 30 years um, when Derek was, uh, I guess, um, back then would have been end of elementary school, beginning of junior high. And I thought it would be really fun to have him on the podcast. He's a minority owner in a, um, a tree cutting business. And uh, with the property that I bought, I've I've become an amateur tree person in the last couple of years. Um, but I thought it'd be fun to have Derek on, hear some of his story and journey. So Derek, welcome to the BAM School podcast. Thanks, buddy. It's great to be here. Yeah. So could, why don't you start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, including the story of uh, how you met your wife and uh, maybe what you did between um, like college and, and getting to the business that you're at now. Or actually, I don't even know what you did for college. <laughs> well, I went to uh, I went to BBC. And um, so I, I did okay. go to school there as much as I really didn't want to go there. <laughs> I really wanted to get away from my parents. And um, so I grew up at the college. And, um, you know, I was at the college since the time I was six years old and on. And I thought it'd be really great to go to college somewhere else. Um, just because I wanted to kind of spread my wings, if you will, try something new. But I really felt like God wanted me to stay there at BBC. Um because I wanted to study ministry and I knew that BBC was going to be the best place for that for me. Um, yeah. So that's kind of why I ended up there. <clears throat> and of course it was always fun playing soccer for my dad. Um, yeah. But it's as far as um, the story of meeting my wife I actually was neighbors with my wife when we were just newborns because we were both born in Elkhart, Indiana <laughs> and we were neighbors and um, our parents were friends. They went to the same church. And um, so there's a picture of us. Easter Sunday, 1989, we were both four years old. And um, wow. that was one of the last times that I actually was in Elkhart because we ended up moving soon after that picture was taken. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, my wife, Lindsay, she remembered me from when we were kids. Like, I guess we'd run around the neighborhood and she remembered this little blonde haired kid that would tease her and make fun of her. And, um, and so, and her parents would talk about my parents and things from time to time. So she knew quite a bit about me. And, uh, there was one year I was at teen leadership conference at the college and I was just sitting outside one night waiting for a session to start. And this girl came up to me and started talking to me and she asked me what my name was and I said my name's Derek and she was like well what's your last name and I said Jacobs and she proceeded to tell me all these things about myself that she knew and I had never seen this girl before <laughs> in my life and it was Lindsay um, and she was telling me about how we used to be neighbors and our parents were friends we went to St. Church she's from Elkhart and I was like this is kind of weird because I have no idea who you are <laughs> Um, so that was kind of the first time we, we reconnected and met again was at Teen Leadership Conference. We were juniors in high school. 
And way back then is when we would actually write letters to each other. You know, we didn't have like instant messenger yeah. email yet. And so <laughs> I wrote her a couple letters and um, nothing really came of that. But then my, um, my freshman year of college, I happened to run into her again. I was driving out through Indiana to go see my sister play basketball at Purdue University. And we were driving through, El- through Elkhart and we just happened to stop on a random Saturday. And she just happened to be there. Her sister was getting married. She was all dressed up, you know, in this incredible gown and looked amazing. And I was like, what are the chances? Um, and so I just happened to run into her there. And that was when now we had email. And so we started to email each other and talk a little bit. And um, we ended up, our first official date, she came out to Dayton, Ohio. And we watched my sister play in the Sweet 16 against UConn. Um, that was kind of our first date where we met kind of halfway at, in Dayton, Ohio and watched my sister play. And then um, that summer we started dating and then she decided to transfer to BBC for college. And so we went to college together and then got married and the rest is kind of history. We've got five kids now, which keep us really busy. And um, we live out here in Elkhart again. Um it's much to my parents' chagrin. They're not super thrilled that we're out here. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're just uh, enjoying enjoying what we're doing out here. So That's great. Yeah, I um, I think your dad definitely had was one of the biggest impacts on my life just as far as um, believing in me, offering me opportunities to run um, – whatever that snack shack was called in, uh, in what was that? What was that called? I just remember going shopping and running it and managing it, getting people in it, but he was always finding ways to like, I don't know that they had named it when you were there. They did end up naming it birdies, which I don't even know where they came up with that name. But when my dad was kind of doing it, they didn't necessarily even have a name. Um, but that's funny. I remember doing that. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I remember is, do you remember the, the trip to Algonquin that you and Amber went on with the team? Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, I, I, I remember the first day um, Adam Holtstrand was with you guys and uh, your dad was up front and you were in the middle of the canoe and your canoe was going like this all day and... Your dad said, okay, tomorrow we're going to switch and have different people in different canoes. He's like, we'll switch every day. And the second day I was with you and your dad and the canoe went straight as canoes are supposed to go when I was in the back. And your dad goes, all right, I think we're just, we we got good people figured out. We're just going to stay with these crews the rest of the week. And I remember you would paddle and then you would get tired because you were like nine or 10 or something. And you'd set your paddle down and your dad would kind of know you weren't paddling. And he'd go, you paddling, Spud? And you'd real quick get the paddle in the water. Yep, I'm paddling. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was a fun trip. That was, yeah, a lot of good good memories around campfires and hiking and canoeing. uh, But I just really appreciate your parents and their... um, yeah, just their love for me over the years. I always felt really loved and blessed by them. And um, yeah, they're special to me as I know they are to you. So 
Yeah, fun, <laughs> fun to have that connection. So, okay, you marry Lindsay after college, start, you know, having all these kids. Um, what's your journey from college? You said at one point you wanted to go um, into ministry. And what was your journey from college to higher ground? Yeah, so my plan had always been that I was going to be a missionary to Russia. That's really what I believe God wanted oh, wow. me to do. That's what I was studying for. Um, and so after I finished college, I jumped right into seminary, working on my Master of Divinity. And then I realized how challenging it would be to finish getting a Master of Divinity after getting about halfway through my coursework. I was like, wow, this is really hard. I'm really tired. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> Um, I failed Greek two, three times with Dr. Rodney Decker, probably my favorite teacher of all time, but I couldn't pass his class. <laughs> so that was pretty yeah. discouraging. Um, so I kind of backed out of doing my MDiv and was kind of like, well, maybe I'll just go be missionary without having completed that. And so, uh, my wife and I, after having our first kid, went to um, ABWE's candidate class, and uh, we were going to go through the candidate class and and get started on the journey of moving towards Russia, and while we were at candidate school, God made it pretty clear to us that this is not what he was going to have for us, and he kind of shut that door, which was really discouraging, because um, I really believe God's called me to do something for him in Russia. I don't know what that is. Um, but my wife and I yeah. have been over there together and we, we love it over there. It's, it's a wonderful part of the world. Um, so I didn't really know what to do. And, uh, after that door shut, I was working at the college, um, helping professors basically put their classes online. This was kind of the first transition time for moving from physical classrooms to online classrooms. And so I was helping do a lot of that transfer work of just taking professors information putting it online and, and developing a class for them that they could teach remotely um, to people all over and then um, I just kind of got restless being there I still wanted a chance to get away and do something new and so I ended up getting hired out here in Indiana to work for a alternative high school called the Crossing School of Business and Entrepreneurship and um, oh cool that was a really interesting experience and a really big growing opportunity uh, working at a school that basically was geared for kids who can't make it in a regular public high school for various reasons, either yeah. their behavior or they're just caught in drug and alcohol use or they're in and out of jail or they're, they don't have a good home life and so there's just a lot of issues and problems that they have. And so going to public school, they were always getting into trouble, always getting kicked out. And so they'd send them to the crossing and uh, we would try and do stuff with them and help them get their education, get their diploma. And um, we realized that the students coming to our school, they weren't necessarily the college type. And so we wanted to prepare them for the workforce immediately out of high school. So we wanted them graduating with not just a diploma, but also a job. And so we yeah. thought really creatively about what are some different businesses that we could do as a school with the students 
to help teach them soft skills, to help teach them about business management, you know, to help teach them about work ethic and all these various different things and just kind of open up their eyes to the world of opportunities around them. Um, Elkhart, Indiana is a heavy industrial area where the RV capital of the world, there's factories all over, there's lots of opportunity to get involved and do various things. And so um, when I first came to the crossing, I started in the classroom as a teacher. And the way we did school there is all the classwork is basically done online at a computer. The kids would be kind of around the room at computers and the teachers would walk around and help them individually as needed. Um, and then every day we made time for what we called family time, which is basically an opportunity for us to talk with the students about life. And obviously it was an opportunity for us to minister to them and to speak truth into them from God's word. Uh, but it wasn't just us preaching at them. It was literally a conversation, like just talking to the students about, well, what do you think about abortion? Or what do you think about what's happening in the world right now? Or what do you think about all these things going on? And then we would bring the truth of God's word into the conversation, but we would leave it open for discussion, and allow people to, we would allow the students to just share their ideas, you know, and they would just tell us what they thought. Yeah. And we would just listen and say, okay, I don't agree with you, but you're open and entitled to that opinion. And this is what God's word has to say about this. Um, and so it was a really unique opportunity to minister to and invest in these young people who really, for the most part, the world had just kind of tossed aside. You know, they didn't fit in school. Yeah. They didn't have a good home life. They were just kind of destined for this cycle of being in and out of jail and going from one job to another. Um, one of my favorite students of all time, he's still, he's in and out of jail all the time. It's just this constant cycle. Um, so right now he's getting ready to come out of jail in the next month or two. And then I'll get to see him for a little while and he does pretty well for a few months. And then he ends up making some money again and falling back into his old lifestyle and then end up back in jail. And it's just this like perpetual cycle. And so just trying to encourage these students and help them like, look, if you can just learn these soft skills, if you can just learn how to be a, a good employee, if you can learn how to show up on time every day and just be reliable, your life could be completely different. Um, and so yeah. at the crossing after my first year, they started a tree service program with the students. And I had never worked with trees before, but I thought, man, working outside would be way more fun than being in this stuffy classroom trying to help students with their work on the computers. And so I ended up getting involved yeah. working with this um, tree service program, and we would take the students out. And it started out pretty simple, just we're cutting firewood, you know, so we're cutting logs, we're splitting firewood. We would do a, a couple of really easy tree jobs here and there, but we didn't really have much equipment. We just had a couple saws and like a trailer. And um, over time, as we started to teach the students about business and start to teach them about how things would run, we started to grow as a business, essentially, um, with growing our equipment and growing our skill set. Um, and it was really fascinating. I'm trying to teach these students, but at the same time, I'm learning. You know, so I'm learning how to be an arborist, yeah. essentially, and I'm learning how to be a business owner. And while I'm learning, I'm also bringing these students along, trying to teach them. Um, and so I did that at the crossing for seven years um, and basically grew a tree company business within the school, which is pretty challenging because my students were basically a revolving door. You know, I didn't have the same students right. for more than 
maybe six to eight months at a time and they would just kind of cycle in and out and they would end up going back to jail and they come back yeah. to school. And, um, so it was pretty challenging, but it was really rewarding just getting to invest in these students. And then knowing that several of them now, you know, are successful, a couple of them have their own businesses that they're running, you know, and they're doing really well. And it's kind of fun to, cool. to see that. But that was kind of the beginning of me getting into tree work and the tree business and becoming an arborist. And um, the gentleman who started that program at the crossing, he um, he was probably my least favorite person at the school. I really didn't care for him very much. <laughs> and we worked <laughs> together at the crossing for three years when he got this program up and running and going. And then he decided to leave to go start his own company called Higher Ground Tree Care. And it was only after he left that I realized one of the reasons I didn't really care for him is because he was constantly pushing me to grow. And whenever you're growing, it can be yeah. uncomfortable and difficult. And so he ended up leaving. And then I realized nobody else at the school really cared what I did with this program now. It was just kind of up to me to manage it, maintain yeah. it, grow or do whatever. And I didn't have anybody pushing me to learn, to grow or do anything. And I thought, you know, I kind of missed that. And I missed having that mentorship in my life of someone helping push me that direction. And so I ran the program by myself for about three years and then decided it was time for me to go back and, and to be with Matt. Um, he's the guy who started the company. And I was like, I asked him if I could jump on board with him at Higher Ground Tree Care because I wanted to continue to learn and grow um, as an arborist, as a businessman. And so that's kind of how I ended up at Higher Ground, which is where I'm at now. And um, we've been working together now for six years at Higher Ground Tree Care. Um, but we've been doing trees together for almost 10 years. Um, and he's just, he's been a great oh, friend cool. and mentor to me. And um, we have, um, yeah. so we've had a lot of fun just growing a company together. Yeah. We, when we moved here to uh, Roanoke, Virginia, where we live now, we got a property with it's seven and a half acres, you know, tons of trees. It's probably two thirds trees, maybe even a little bit more. And, um, you know, so I've had to, I, we've probably dropped like a hundred trees and most of them have been smaller, but some of them have been like, you know, probably like three feet across or whatever. And one of those was by the house, but it was leaning away. Like the, you know, it was all going to the field. So that was an easy one, dropped it. And then the next one was kind of leaning towards the house because all the branches had grown on that side. And mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, at that point, I'd already dropped 50 trees. I'm like, I could do this. And so I'm cutting out a wedge. And I did think in the back of my mind, if it falls on the house, we were going to renovate that room anyway. Like, it'll, you know, maybe my insurance will cover it. We're going to do this room anyway. But I... Cut, you know, I cut the wedge out and then I didn't have those, you know, wedge pieces that you're really supposed to use. I didn't tie it down and I'm cutting from this side and I'm almost all the way through the tree and it's not going the way that I want it to drop. And finally, when there was just like in the middle of this three foot tree, just a sliver of tree holding it together it finally went the way that I wanted to. And that... I already learned I don't cut trees when I'm in them. Like I've had bad experiences with that, but that was what I was like, okay, for some of these trees near the house, I've got to hire a professional next time. Uh, especially now that we've renovated our house. Now I don't want any trees falling on it. So 
that's funny. But it's it can be dangerous work too, like chainsaws oh, yeah. breaking and you know, oh yeah, all that kind yep. of fun stuff. So yes, there yeah. is certainly would have a been lot of would have been some involved. of the. T- what have been some of the challenges for you business wise in the in the business or has it been kind of smooth because a lot of it's on Matt's shoulders or how has that journey been? Um, people are the biggest challenge. Um, yeah, just having to manage people and work with people, train people. Um, every time you add someone to the team, it changes the dynamics. And so at our company, yeah. uh, we've always had this desire to grow a certain culture at our company. Um, you know, we don't just we don't just want people coming in and punching the clock and collecting a paycheck. You know, we want to have an environment and a culture at our company where people are excited to get to come to work, and they're excited about what they get to do, and um, they're excited to get to work with the people on the crew. And so we worked really hard to kind of build this culture of, you know, we, I get to go to work today and I'm excited about that. Um, and it's been challenging because you have turnover, you know, so you have people come in and you work with them and you train them and you teach them and you try and get them on board and then they leave or go for one reason or another. And then you got to find somebody else new. Um, but we've slowly but surely kind of built this, culture up where we have a really great crew right now i've only got i've only got three main guys on my crew and i've got one guy who works in the shops a mechanic i've got another guy that does chemical work i've got a, a um one guy who manages the office and then like three part-time office ladies so it's not a huge company by any means um but yeah. everybody just enjoys kind of getting to go to work and what they get to do and that's been one of the biggest challenges trying to yeah. grow that, but then also maintain it. Um, because I feel yeah. like we've kind of gotten to a place where we have a good culture, but you have to continue to work at it and continue to maintain that, or it's very easy to do, yeah. um, digress and just go back um, to what was easier. Uh, so that's been one of the biggest challenges, yeah. just how do you work with these guys and how do you how do you train them to be safe so they're not making silly decisions that are dangerous, that can damage property or damage or hurt someone else? You know, uh, how do you help them follow process and procedure and do it in such a way that, like, they don't hate it? <laughs> you know, because I think a lot of times yeah. you set a process and procedure and it's like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this again. But it's like, no, we're going to do it this way because we know it's the right way to do it. It's a safe way to do it. It's going to help us be more efficient this way. It's going to help make sure everybody goes home at the end of the day today. Um, and so it's not like this huge burden. It's just, this is the way we do it. And it helps us be able to do our job efficiently and quickly and safely at the same time. So yeah, that's been some of the biggest challenges, just working so with your people dad- helping to teach them. Yeah. Your dad was saying you guys bought one of those machines that like grabs the tree, cuts it. Um, does it like trim off branches? And how much do you use that? How much does it really help the business? Yes. Yeah, so we just purchased, it's called a Merlot. Um, it's technically, it's a giant telehandler is really what it is. Um, okay. But we use it like a crane. And so... We one of the great things about it is it can get into really tight spaces. So we used to have a stick crane, 
<clears throat> a stick crane. And uh, it was really big. It's like 40 feet long. You set up, it was like 28 feet wide. So you needed a lot of space to set that thing up. And it was a great machine. Uh, but the Merlot, I only need 18 feet wide by 18 feet long to set this machine up. So it's really compact. It's got four-wheel crab steering. I can get into really tight spaces, get really close to the tree. And then on the end of my boom, I have a grapple that has a saw underneath it. So I can literally reach up and grab a branch and pre-tension it and then make a cut with the machine and then just pick it up and set it down. Um, so it really helps yeah. with efficiency, but also safety, you know, cause a lot of the stuff we do yeah. is dangerous just in and of the fact that you have to be close to the work and trees can be unpredictable at times. And so even though we have a lot of process and procedure to mitigate dangerous situations, things can still happen. Um, so by using machine yeah. to piece out a tree, you mitigate even more of those problems cause you don't have any people there, you know, you don't have any people around the tree anymore. Right. Um, and so it really helps with safety, but it also helps with efficiency. You know, I can piece out a tree really quickly. Um, and it just makes the work a lot more fun too. Cause I get to sit in an air conditioned cab and uh, just relax while the machine yeah. does all the work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, but that was a pretty big. So is Matt? Decision. You said you're. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you want me to go? <laughs> All right. No, so that was that. Yeah, that yeah, particular machine was a really big decision for us because um, I mean that's a half a million dollar piece of equipment, and so we researched yeah. and studied and planned for at least two years where we were looking at all the different types of cranes, all the different types of machines, um, which one was going to be best suited for our needs and why, and which direction did we want to go. Um, and so there was just so yeah. many factors in that decision and it was a long time coming before we actually pulled the trigger on that. Uh, cause Matt is a really conservative business person, um, which I appreciate. And so we don't have tons of debt on yeah. all this machinery and equipment that we have. Usually we pay cash for everything. Um, and so this was one of those machines where it's like, well, we're not going to pay cash for this, but we can finance this. And we know that it's going to pay for itself over time and it'll do it quickly. Um, so it was a right. pretty long thought out yeah. decision. And I think it was the right one. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what are some, you had said, you know, <clears throat> this idea of like working in Russia, now you're in the tree business seems like you're going to be in that for a while. What are some of your dreams as you think about the future? Like, do you have dreams still for Russia? Do you just want to have, you know, a bigger tree company or are you content with where it's at? What are, what are some of the things that you're thinking? I still believe that God has something for me to do in Russia. Um, I don't know what that is. I've knocked on a lot of doors and none of them have opened to me yet. Um, one of the mm -hmm. things that I've thought is, um, in the Bible, it talks about King David. He wants to build the temple. And God says, no, you're not going to build it, but your son will. And so David plans yeah. everything. He gets all the materials together. He has everything prepared so that his son can be successful in that mission. And I have a, a young boy in my family, in my house, uh, my son, Kempton. Um, I believe that it's very possible that it might be my job to train him and prepare him to go overseas to Russia to share the gospel with people, um, which is okay with me. I'd be okay with that. Cool. But I still keep knocking on doors to see yeah. if any of them might open for me to be able to go because I'd love to go. Um, but as far as yeah. the future here, 
Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully eventually one day um, buying the company myself and being the owner. And one of the things I love about our company is we are focused on people. You know, trees are just a means to minister and serve to other people, whether it be the people in our community whose trees we're going to work on and we're trying to serve them and serve them really well, or the people in our company who are working with us and we're trying to train them and mentor them, coach them, disciple them, evangelize them, um, because that's that's our main goal and our main priority. Um, Trees are just an excuse to get to do that. And so I I regularly am... Grabbing some, grabbing some of my guys, and we'll go out and grab some ice cream and just talk about life. We'll talk about what's going on in their lives. Um, you know, try and encourage them through different things. Um, one of my crew leaders doesn't know the Lord, and so we'll have spiritual conversations, and he'll ask me questions, and um, we'll kind of hash through some of the things about what God says about this and that. And uh, he's very open to spiritual conversations, even though he hasn't made any decisions. And so we talk about that kind of stuff, but we also just talk about life. And we, you know, so we, I'm serving him all the time when he needs things or his family needs help. We're there to go help him out with whatever he needs and, and try and support them because that's ultimately the only reason why we have this company is so we can serve people. Um, and so that's kind of the goal. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I don't know if you know Josh Art, but he has a landscaping business in Clark Summit and has a really similar um, mentality with the people that he has running um, or working mm-hmm. in his business. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, it's it's been about half an hour, and um, kind of kind of want to uh, keep my podcast a little bit tighter. I've I've gotten loose with some of them, but um, I know next. Um, well, this fall you're. Uh, dad is having the field named after him at, at BBC, which is now CSU. Um, are you going out there mm-hmm. for his field naming? Cool. I haven't decided yet. I, um, um, I'd like to go if, if I can, but we'll just have to see what the work schedule looks like. So, Yeah. Well, I, I would like to get up there. I'm just going to be coming back from uh, Arizona uh, like two days before I was, so I'm not sure if I'll make it, but maybe I'll see you there. If not, um, we're in Alcart, um, every other year or so. So we'll have to, um, see each other if I make it through there. Um, and also sure. I don't, I know that, uh, I have a couple people that need that have trees. So I'll pass on your name to them that live, um, awesome. in Alcart. My, my wife's aunt is the, um, president of Bethel University and she has five acres and a lot of trees and also okay. Jeff Rackinator's parents have a lot of trees there so I'll definitely yes. pass on your name to those guys but thanks so much for um, jumping on the podcast great to hear your story fun to reconnect uh, 25 <laughs> yeah. years later and uh, proud of you and and the man that you've become from the spud that you were uh, as an elementary kid so <laughs> I will always remember you as the only person I've ever known to have their jaw wired shut. <laughs> yes. Not a um not a fun uh experience. In fact, it's still a little bit crooked. It never uh it never got 100% straight after that, but one of um 
you know, your dad was, so my jaw was still wired shut at the end of the season. And, um, we were at nationals that year and, um, I think we were winning three to one with like seven minutes to go. And, um, coach Mark Fitch and Tim Holdridge were like, coach, we should put buddy in, you know, and (laughs) dad kind of like arms crossed and, uh, sitting there kind of looks over at me. And then he's like, buddy, and, uh, puts me in the game and, I run around like a chicken with my head cut off with my jaw wired shut and end up scoring with like two minutes to go in the game. And I'm screaming. I'm so excited. And I almost asked for a sub. I'd only been in the game two and a half minutes. But when you're sprinting with your mouth closed, (laughs) it's uh, hard to breathe. And I thought, well, if I pass out, I'm on the field. It's, you know, it's my last time playing college soccer, but. I I love that your dad let me play a game with my jaw wired shut, even though I couldn't breathe. And I'll always be grateful to him for that. So, yes. Well, great having you on, Derek. Blessings on your business and your dream of Russia. I love to see how that unfolds and what God does through it. And blessings on you and Lindsay as you... Raise your five little ones. And um, thanks so much for being a guest on the BAM School Podcast. Thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. BAM School, facilitating a global self-funding disciple-making movement through business. Thanks for tuning in to the BAM School Podcast. Find show notes, free courses, resources, and more at forbam.com.